So we're in Hebrews. How many of you have been on the, on the Hebrews adventure with us? Amen. We've been going at this for a long time. We are in, today we are in the 13th chapter. We are going to finish that chapter one way or another. Amen. This is the last day for Hebrews. So I want to start out in Hebrews chapter 13. Um, just don't put, don't put anything up there yet. Let me pray. Father, we love you and thank you for this amazing body of believers. Lord, this is your people. These are your children gathered here today in your name where you promised your presence would be here. So we thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, have your way in this service. Speak to our hearts. Open the scriptures to our hearts. I pray our hearts would burn within us as we unfold your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For the sake of uh, fun, throw up, Keith, can you do verse 1 or just all, all of them? Can you do verse 1? Hebrews 13. Okay. So keep on loving. I just want you to focus on that for a minute. Everybody say, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Stop there. Stop there. If I could sum up Hebrews 13 in two words, it would be final thoughts. Okay, we've been going through this whole book of the Bible and the, the, whoever's writing Hebrews, and we believe, some believe it was Paul, some believe it was one of the ladies in, in the church in that day, I think Priscilla, a lot of people believe it might have been someone else, but whoever was writing it, when they're getting down toward the end, they kind of come up with a con conclusion, final thoughts, and that's what chapter 13 is really all about. And being that there are, listen, there are 55 commandments in the New Testament that are instructing us to love each other, right? It's fitting that a Hebrews 13 exhorts us in the same way. As it wraps up, first thing it said is love one another, right? So the final thoughts are love, listen, the final thoughts are let love continue. Now it's easy to talk love, amen? It's, 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 it's easy to talk love, but these scriptures are really about hashing it out. What does love look like on a day-to-day -day basis? If we let love continue, what does that look like? And I think that's what the author is trying to do. He's trying to unfold that to us. And in this particular verse, the first verse, he says, let love, or love, love like brothers, okay, is really what it said. And the, and the word for love there is the word, how many of you ever heard the word Philadelphia? How many of you know Greek, Philadelphia is a Greek word? Amen. City of brotherly love is basically what that means, okay? So we're supposed to continue to love as brothers. We, we've, we've learned all this amazing doctrine in Hebrews. Hebrews is a book full of doctrine, full of powerful Bible truths, okay? And you need doctrine, but if you understand how the New Testament flows sometimes, most of the letters are throwing a lot of doctrine at us, at us and then as they wrap up, they... How do you put that doctrine into real life, amen? How do you un un unfold that in daily living? And the first thing he says is keep loving each other. So in my thinking and preparing for this message, I'm trying to find a good illustration of what brotherly love looks like, okay? So the Lord's always been faithful to me in that way because I have two grandsons that play together. They were playing together. We had, Terry and I had them last night. By the way, pray for Terry. She's really battling. Her left arm has given her a lot of trouble. She can't get it above her head, which means she couldn't do her hair this morning, which means she wasn't coming to church. 
which means I said, honey, I'll help you with your hair, which means she didn't come to church. So, but please pray for her. Amen. But anyway, we had our grandsons last night and I'm needing a good way to teach you about brotherly love. And, and so Chanan is six and Braylon is four and they're buddies and they hang out and they do all the things that two little boys do in a few hours. Okay. They, here's what we went through last night. They're playing. They're just being innocent kids. They're having the time of their life. That's all good. Amen. And then, and then, oh, all of a sudden we hear an argument. They're arguing. Okay. Over little, um, acid spitballs that come out of a T-Rex or something like that. I'm not sure. They, they're fighting over, they're arguing. I mean, it's, it's intense. They're, they're mad. They come running out to tell Mimi, that's my wife, what's going on and why Braylon's wrong and why Chanin's wrong. And I don't, I don't know where Chanin came up with. Has anyone ever argued with my, my grandson? He's, he's like in it, man. He's, his arms are flailing. He's convincing us that he's right and Braylon's wrong. And, and um, they're, I mean, they're mad. And, and uh, I think he got that from Josiah, as I'm just guessing <laughs> Maybe it's Tiff. Maybe, I don't know, someone's demonstrative or Deanna. But anyway, they're arguing, they're fighting, and they're negotiating. You ever negotiate with a six-year-old or a four-year-old? Kind of leans their way. You ever notice that? And uh, they're defending their position. And then they, you know, we send them back to their room. We're not choosing sides on this. It's kind of like how I deal with you guys when you're married couples especially. Some of you come in to visit me and you're married and you're struggling and you start telling me how bad your wife is or how bad your husband is. And I ain't choosing sides on that, man. Not till I heard both sides of the story, okay? So you think just because you got to me first, I'm going your way, you are totally wrong, amen? But so that was going on and, and we got him calmed down. And we, you know what we did? We said, here, here's a spitball or whatever this thing is. You take one, you take one, I'm keeping one. That way we got equal spitballs. Everyone's happy, amen? It's fair, and then they're, okay, they're, so they accepted that. I don't know why that worked for them, but they accepted that compromise, okay? And they're back playing. They're by, I can tell they're jumping on the bed. And all of a sudden, yeah! That's like, like a death cry for Braylon. Okay, Braylon has done something. Somehow he fell off the bed, landed on his side on the drawer that was open. And he comes running out screaming. Chanin's running after him. But this is where the brotherly love comes in. Now, understand, they're fighting just a few minutes ago. They're arguing. They're not liking each other, much like some of you, church members. But all of a sudden, someone's hurt. And Chanin's whole demeanor changes. His best buddy's hurt. And he's, he's you need, Braylon, are you okay? You need to go get in Mimi's lap. And he's got him in Mimi's lap, and then Braylon's getting all, you know, snuggling in with Mimi, and here comes Chain, and he's got a little blanket. Throwing a blanket over him. Is that okay, buddy? You know? And, and, then, and then he looks at Mimi, Chain, and looks at Mimi. Mimi, maybe you should fix him some special oatmeal. <laughs> Mimi and me, now we're innocent. We're getting sucked into this big time. And, 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 and okay, okay, Mimi's going along with this, and then can you, uh, here comes Chanin, here, here's his special tray. He said, our house, we have special stuff for our grandkids. He sets a special tray on his lap with him and Mimi and oatmeal, but not just any oatmeal. It's got to have blueberries in it, people. 
Listen, you can't heal from a side injury without oatmeal and blueberries, okay? But it's, a, it's, a, it's and I got to, I'm starting to feel jealous, thinking this is really how I should be treated by all of you most of the time. Okay, I've had a bad, if I put out on Facebook, I've had a bad day, I'm expecting this kind of stuff, okay? So, but it was really a great illustration of brotherly love. Because it's something you and I as Christians are supposed to walk in. Love is a huge theme in the scriptures, amen? And you hear a lot about it from me because it's something the devil really battles the church in, I think, right? So keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. I mean, that's a, listen, that Philadelphia, that type of love almost steps over into agape. Okay, it's probably the closest natural reflection of agape, which is God's love, right, for us. When I think about God's love, that, that we're supposed to love each other, really because the Lord loves us, amen, I want you to think about love for a second, or how, how you perceive that God loves you, because you're going to struggle loving others the way God loves you if you don't perceive that right. And if you really think about God's love toward you, most of you probably think, God, yeah, I know God loves me, but there's kind of a, probably a little, uh, on the end of that. I'm really not sure that God can totally love me completely as I am because I've got some stuff. And that right there is an issue. Because for you to think that you can fathom God's love for you. I mean the depth of it. Paul goes into the height of it, the width of it. You can't fathom his love for you because you filter it through your failure. And you filter it through your mistakes. And you can't always love each other the way Christ has called you to love because you filter loving through, your, through, through the mistakes of others and through they've let me down. But isn't it interesting that God sent his son to die for you while you were yet in the worst possible condition you could ever be in, broken, lost, sinful, in bondage, and God's love reached beyond that, amen, and reached in and pulled you. Didn't wait for you to come out of the mess. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. But he came into the mess. And he, listen, and he stayed in the mess and he's still in the mess and he'll be in the mess until the mess is swallowed up in victory. That's how much God loves you and that's how God has called you to love each other. So here's the challenge. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. So from there, the author burst into kind of describing what that looks like in a practical way. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing some for by so doing some people have shown hospitality to angels. That's freaky. Why don't you think about that now? How many know they didn't have Holiday Inn back in the day? They didn't have Ramada. 
They didn't have all these other hotels and motels that were popping out. And most of the time when believers traveled in that day, they ended up staying with other believers in other communities into their home. Dirty toenails and all, man. Into their home. So love on a practical level is showing hospitality. Right? That's what it's saying. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Interesting. Does God have little... Who are those people that go out to the restaurants and sit down and eat and disguise, kind of check? And what do they call those people? Mystery shoppers, amen. Doesn't this freak you out a little bit that God might have like some mystery shoppers that show up in your house to see how you're behaving, to see how you're treating, uh, to see how you're going to treat them? What if? Makes you kind of cautious about who you let in your house, amen? What if, that dude can't be an angel. He smells like a billy goat, but you never know. You know what I'm saying? But, but love... Love is, 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 can be um, a great place to learn to love is how we treat strangers. And just imagine, imagine every time you're dealing with a stranger, if you look at it, what if this is an angel? There's a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm not going to get off on all that, but I do want you to take it seriously. How we treat strangers, really, should be how Christ treats, a reflection of how Christ treats us. And I'm going to get into that in a little bit more. So take that into consideration, very practical. I'm guessing if a stranger comes into your home, you make them feel comfortable. You ever been to one of those houses where people invite you over? And they come in, you sit down, and they don't offer you nothing to drink. They don't talk. They don't, number three, they don't tell you where the bathroom's at. Or if you can use it, Right? Just practical stuff, amen. But love should continually treat strangers well. Listen to this next one. A great revelation of this Philadelphia thing is remembering prisoners. Now, that's interesting. Same situation, really. Back in the day, now today, if you go to jail or prison, they give you a place to sleep, probably an air-conditioned cell, I don't know, video games, I don't know. I know they feed you. I know you have showers. I know you have hot and cold running water. Amen? But back then, prisoners were probably in a dark, cold cell, maybe not given any food, Maybe eating the rats that snuck through the, the gates of the, of the prison. Amen. And to be practical in how you love. Remember, this is, he's summing up all these chapters in Hebrews. And he's coming down to, okay, love each other as brothers. Treat strangers well. Remember prisoners and the less fortunate. That sounds so, how many of you want to do that? Just throw up a hand if you want to do that. But just, just yeah, I want to do that. Be honest. I want to do that. But I won't because it takes time. It takes intention. It takes effort. And this is where love becomes a problem. Because to love you, 
like a brother, to love you like God loves you, I have to do some dying to myself. Because that means I have to take my time that this two hours or this hour that I would normally spend on myself or on my people or my kids or, and I have to give that to someone else. And listen, this, the, the biblical basis for that type of love is all over. How many, you know, I'm a charismatic. I believe in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in miracles. I believe in healing. I believe in all that stuff. But if none of that ever happens, one thing I could always do is love people and sacrifice for people and, and give into their lives and try to make a difference. And no, not, nothing, no devil in hell can take that away from you. And, and it's all over the scriptures. I want to read in Matthew 25. I know we're in Hebrews, but this really illustrates my point. It's quiet in here this morning. It means you're thinking. I like it. Matthew 25. Someone moved Matthew in my Bible. There it is. Matthew 25, verse 31. Why don't you listen to this for a second? When the Son of Man comes, who's that? Everybody knows that is, right? When the Son of Man comes, he's coming. In his glory and all the angels with him, maybe a couple of them that were in your living room, all the angels with him, all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king, Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now listen to verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. The qualifications to be loved like that were low. Because, the, listen, because God's love can go as low as it needs to go. Amen? But that's, that's it. There it is again. Remembering prisoners, remembering the less fortunate. Remember the addicted. 
Maybe they've crossed the barriers and you think, well, I, you know, I, I could love them until they got to the 71st time. And then I stopped. That, that's it. Well, that's funny because Jesus loved you right on past that. Amen? You can't. The depth and the height and the width and the breadth of his love is unfathomable. And he doesn't really put conditions on this stuff. We do that. It's quiet in here. I want us to love to make a difference. I want it to be so radical that people can't. I don't get it. I don't get it. How do they love people like that? Because they know how they were loved. Isaiah 58, I can't read the whole chapter. But I like to pull the Old Testament in with the New in case someone, well, that's the New Testament. The Old Testament. There's a big argument back in the Old Testament in the 58th chapter of Isaiah that God's people are doing all these amazing things, man. They're religious. They're wearing the right clothes. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right things. It looks like on the outside, man, everything looks good. They're fasting. How many love fasting? Come on, you can't wait to give up a cheeseburger. You know what I'm saying? Love that fasting. They're, I mean, these guys are fasting. They're doing it all. And the prophet Isaiah says, shout it aloud, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion in the house of Jacob their sin. And then he describes what they're going through all the motions. The day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of God. They ask me for just decisions, seem eager to know my ways, to come to me. They question me, why have we fasted and nothing happened, la da 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 it goes on and on. And the Lord says, you can't fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is that the kind of fasting I've chosen only for a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? Listen to this. To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free. He goes on and says, to share your food with the hungry, to provide the wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked, to clothe him and not to turn away. Listen to this. Not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Mm. Wow. It speaks for itself, doesn't it? Very practical. Not super miraculous. Just love people. That's what the Hebrew writer's telling us. Love each other. Let brotherly love, sisterly love. Let it explode in your midst. How much time do I have back there? Okay, I hate that clock. Anyway, so, so, look, so, so we move past that, and I'm going to be quick on this, but 
Remember, he's, he's basically exhorting them to love and then saying this is how you do it. This is how you do it. No. Okay? The next thing it is is marriage. Is it up there? Practical loving. Marriage should be honored by all. That's love right there. And, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, ouch. Ouch! But yet, true. You and I, if, if we love each other, brotherly, sisterly love like we're supposed to, we should put marriage in a very high place. Amen? God ordained marriage. Marriage is God's idea. Okay, that's, that's, I know this isn't culturally right, but this is biblically right, spiritually right. Man was created. Woman was created. Man and woman come together. They form a marriage. Amen. That's, that is a sacred thing in the mind of God. God's not going to change his mind about marriage because culture has decided that marriage is something different. Amen. God, God is always going to hold at high esteem marriage. He's never going to do anything that's going to tear down marriage, break down marriage, come against marriage, insult marriage. And you and I should love that, that whole coming together of husband and wife. We should honor that. And we should understand in the mind of God, the marriage bed. Ooh, going to get a little sex talk. Sex talk. Everyone perk right up. The marriage bed is undefiled. The marriage bed. If you're married, come on, woo, yeah. Come on, guys. You know you're. You know you're with me on this, man. We're married, man. The things that happen in here are all good. God ordained it. That's His idea. Amen. And we need to love that because society is built on that. A good, right, powerful society is built on marriage, husband, wife, and they get together and then yeah come on and they have intimacy and they have little varmints that are born and they're running around amen and they're and they have this great example of you know the first form of government husband wife amen everyone hear what I'm saying so we how we treat marriage is a big deal we need to love God's ideas about marriage for for Jesus' sake, don't you dare adopt the world's ideas about marriage. Because they're, they're rooted in, listen, they're rooted in deception. And the end is death. They're rooted in lies. Anything beyond God's idea about marriage is not right. I'm sorry. And I love you too much to tell you anything different. Okay, I can sit up here and lie to you and make up stories and try to make this scripture fit into my sin. Good luck with that. Doesn't work that way. Uh-oh, I'm hurrying. Okay, so I want you to love marriage. Love the idea. Love the concept. If you're married, encourage people that aren't married to get married. If they, I mean, if they want to be intimate, if they want to be sexually active... Get your butt married, okay? I actually have a few guys in the church that actually think they're matchmakers. So if you're having some issues, go see them. I'll give you their names after church, okay? They're rape. 
the success rate sucks, but we'll give it a try, okay? You should marry, so don't, no, 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 okay? Um, anyway, <laughs> where the heck am I? Um, let me get back here. I'm almost done. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to finish. I never finish. Sorry. I got to get back to Hebrews. Where is Hebrews? Hebrews ain't my Bible anymore either. Here we go. 13. You know, your Christ-like conduct, your Christ-like behavior is a revelation of love. As you and I learn to grow up and mature in Christ and walk this relationship out in love toward each other, that's a demonstration of love. Holiness and love are synonymous. Everyone freaks out about holiness, holy, holy, holy. People freak out about holiness because we make holiness some religious thing when really holiness is the holiest person on earth that ever lived on earth was Jesus Christ. The fruit of his holiness, listen to this, I'm gonna, this is holiness, I'm going to define holiness. The fruit of holiness is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. And I might have forgot one, but I think I didn't, okay? But that is, that is holiness, that is the fruit of holiness, okay? So, verses 5 and 6, man, I'm missing a part I didn't want to miss here. Okay, I might go over a couple minutes. Sheesh, whose Bible is this? Here's practical holiness. Ready? Keep your lives free from the love of money. Not, not, not needing any money or using money. Just keep your lives free from the love of money. One of the best things God ever did to keep us free from our lives free from the love of money is He instituted the idea of giving. Every week we get to decide, do I love money or do I love the Lord? That's what giving does, amen? It gives us that, okay, I'm free from that. I give God what he asks for and boom. Okay, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Hallelujah, is that good news or not? And let me just, I'll, I'll end with this one. I can't make it all the way, but here we go. How many of you want to love each other with brotherly love, with that affectionate, with that God? Okay, now listen. I like that he did this. He included how you treat your leaders. Yes! Yes! I love it. Okay, he included that. Here we go. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Whoa. I got you now, don't I? I mean, this is the Bible. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. How you treat your leaders should be with the utmost honor and love and respect. Not because they're perfect. Good luck with that. Josiah is perfect. Dad is not, amen? Okay, Terry's perfect. Josiah and I are not, okay? 
whatever. But you know what I'm saying? You don't honor and love. You, you love. I'm your brother. You're, listen, Joe, you're stuck with me for eternity. I'm sorry, man. We're going to be up there going, whoa, it was worth it all. Amen? It was worth it all. But, well, yeah, come on. Somebody heard that. <laughs> love each other. And I, and I need to read. I got to read verse 17, then I'll, then I'll be done. Oh, I shouldn't read this. Should I read this? So, okay, pray with me real quick. Just pray this. Lord, I totally accept what pastor is about to say. By faith. Okay, here it is. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account Oh, listen, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. You see how, the, how relational this all is? How we treat each other, how you treat me, how I treat you. I'm not, listen, I don't want to run your life. But if I see something that can hurt you or cause you to run down the wrong road, Hebrews is laying it out here, man. God has set things in order in his house to care for you, to take care of you, to watch over you. You know what I mean? None of, no one wants to run each other's lives, but, but if I see you're doing something or heading in a direction that's going to hurt you, you're probably going to get the famous text or the famous phone call, which, by the way, some of you don't return. I'm calling you out this morning. Turn them on, Sanan. No. Let's stand up. Let's stand up together. I'm going to wrap it. Sorry, I went over six minutes and 37 seconds. Final thoughts on Hebrews. You ready for this? Love each other. Here it is again. It's all 55 times that's mentioned in the New Testament. That we love each other the way God loves us. That we love each other the way brothers and sisters love. That we just love each other. Come on up, guys. Whoever's supposed to be here. Put your head down, everyone, just for a second. I want to pray over you. I'm going to turn it over to the worship team. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Gosh, you love us so much, and we don't. Lord, the only way we know that, the depth of that, it goes beyond our, our deepest wound, goes beyond our deepest sin. The only way they know that we know that is if you reveal it to us. So I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be upon this house this morning you to unleash this truth in our heart. Did you teach us to love as brothers and sisters and love as you love? In Jesus' name.